Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. You know, Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If you think about it, that verse is saying the same thing as John eight thirty two. It says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Only the truth will make us free from sin, John eight thirty two, And only the truth will sanctify us. John 17, 17. Sanctifies means make us clean, free us from sin. But then it, Jesus says, thy word is truth in John 17, 17. So when we're thinking about the truth, the truth that will set us free from sin, the truth that will sanctify us, cleanse us from our sins, we're talking about something that is defined by the word of God. It's not what Pat thinks or what Pat wants or what is the most politically correct. It's actually what the text of the scriptures say. That's what defines for us what God's truth is. Thy word is truth. The Bible defines for us what the truth is. So if some preacher's telling you, well, God told me this, don't believe him unless he can show you what he says from the Bible. Because God's word is the truth, not what some preacher says. God's not going to tell some preacher one thing and then in the Bible tell us something else. The Bible is going to define for us what the truth is. So we should always be like the Bereans. It says they, when Paul and Silas were preaching, they searched the scriptures to see if what was seen said was so. Uh, Acts 17, verse 11. Whoever you're listening to, teach the Bible. Whether it's me or somebody else on the radio or TV or at church, make sure they're proven what they say by the word of God. Book, chapter, and verse. Make sure or don't accept it. Uh, when I was growing up as a little boy, a few times my parents told me, well, you're just letting it go through one ear and out the other. <laughs> that That's kind of a negative thing, but I thought of a positive spin for that. If somebody's claiming to teach you religion or God's word, but they're not proving what they say by the book, God's book, the Bible, then you should let it go through one ear and out the other. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. Only the truth will sanctify us, help us to be free from sin. And the word, the Bible, God's word, the New Testament in particular today, defines for us what truth is. Let's remember that. Now, while we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd talk about what the Bible calls the book of life. And by the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, you give us a call. The lines are wide open. That number to call is 877 877- Six five five six seven five five. If you want to go on the air and have make a Bible comment or ask a Bible question, call us at eight seven seven six five five six seven five five. The Book of Life is mentioned six or eight or ten times in the Bible, Old Testament and New. Let's talk about that a little bit. The Book of Life. Well, first of all, what is the Book of Life? What is the Book of Life? Well, we learn from. A number of passages, like Philippians 4, verse 3, that the book of life is God's list of the names of all the saved people. Let me read you that verse, Philippians 4, 3. It says, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with many other, with many, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Here we had these fellow laborers, these other Christians. Their names were in the book of life. The book of life 
is the list of the names of all the saved people. If your name's in the book, that means you have become a Christian. If your name is not in the book, that means either you've never become a Christian or you have fallen away and lost your salvation. Now, let's talk about some more verses that mention this phrase, the book of life. Next question. Where will those whose names are written in the book of life go? I think that's answered for us in Revelation 21, 27. The answer is heaven. Let me read that. Revelation 21, 27 says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. It's talking about heaven here. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the book of life. Who's going to heaven? Those whose names are in the book of life. Isn't that what we said? The book of life is God's list of the names of all the saved people. Next question. Where will those whose names are not in the book of life go? Well, how about Revelation 20 verse 15 answers that question for us. The lake of fire. It says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So those whose names are in the book of life will enter into heaven. Revelation 21, 27. And those whose names are not in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire, the bad place, H-E-L-L, Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. So as we said, the book of life is basically defining for us who is saved. The book of life contains the names of all the people who have been saved by Christ. Now, a while ago I mentioned if you're in the, if you're not in the book of life, that means you've never become a Christian or perhaps you became a Christian and you fell away. And that, that brings up this interesting point or question. Can a person be taken out of the book of life? Well, the answer to that is yes. We see that from a couple of passages. How about Revelation 22, 18 and 19? If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. And the number to call is 877-655-6755. Here's how Revelation 22, 18 and 19 reads. And watch for the phrase, the book of life. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Well, this passage is pretty famous in our Bibles, telling us not to add to or take away from the word of God, in particular the book of Revelation. But other passages in the Bible help us to see that it's talking about uh, any. It's talking about the Bible as a whole. It would be true to say this about the Bible as a whole. Don't add to or take away. You mean you could add to the word of God by literally by perhaps uh, adding another book to the Bible like the Mormons do. They literally added the word of God. They called the scriptures not only Old Testament and New Testament, the Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, Doctrine and Covenants. They have, if you see a Mormon, he's going to have all five of those books in his Bible. They're literally adding to the word of God. But you could also add to the word of God Perhaps not literally, but you could do it in effect. For example, we know from Romans chapter 6, verse 4, that baptism should be an immersion. And other passages too. But Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. 
So this passage says we're buried with him, with Christ, by baptism. Now, when somebody dies and we take them out to the graveyard to bury, and we bury them, does that mean we sprinkle a little dirt on their head or does that mean we put them all the way up under the ground? I think we know what the word buried means. And this says we're buried in baptism. So if we're buried in baptism, is that going to mean that we sprinkle a little water on somebody's head or we're going to put them all the way up under the water? This passage then and others like it teach that baptism should be an immersion. But suppose that a person teaches that sprinkling for baptism is okay. Isn't that in effect just like adding to the word of God? It's just like writing in the Bible at the end maybe somewhere. Sprinkling for baptism is authorized. That's adding to the word of God even if you don't do it literally because you're teaching something is authorized that's not authorized. You're adding to the word of God. That's one of the things censored by Revelation 22, 18 and 19. The other thing censored is taking away from the word of God. Well, we know, suppose you had a woman preacher and she wanted to take away from the word of God. Well, so that she could preach without being censored by the Bible. She might want to cut out 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, which says, let your women keep silence in the churches for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. I can't think of a passage more clear on any Bible subject than this verse is clear that women should not preach in the church assembly. Yet, I've been told 75% of churches across this land allow women to preach in the church assembly. They, they, they allow women to violate this passage. Suppose you had a woman preacher. She might decide to literally take away from the word of God, she may cut out the two or three or four passages that would condemn her practice and take the scissors and cut those out. But suppose she didn't literally cut out these verses like 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, but she just ignored them. And she went ahead and did like Joyce Myers does and preached anyway. Even though what she's doing is plainly condemned by God's word, she just ignores these passages. That's in effect taking away from the word of God. And Revelation 22 and 18, 22, 18 and 19 is saying, look, if you add to or take away from the book of this prophecy, God shall take away your part out of the book of life, meaning you're going to lose your salvation. It's that serious. Now, we know this is a person that had been saved to begin with. Their name wouldn't have been in the book of life unless they'd become a Christian. That's the only way you can get your name in there. But their name was taken out of the book of life. Their part was taken out of the book of life, meaning they were saved. They were a Christian. They were in the book of life, but now they're not saved anymore. Their name has been taken out of the book of life, meaning they're not saved anymore because they added to or took away from the word of God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? You know, another passage that teaches that your name can be taken out of the book of life is Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. It says, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. If you have a Bible question or comment, please give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. So here Jesus speaking says a person that overcomes, I take it he's talking about overcoming temptation, persecution, it says, I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, which implies that if we don't overcome, 
say we don't overcome temptation, our name will be blotted out of the book of life. Now, this doctrine, the Baptists are famous for it. Other churches teach it too, that you can't fall from grace. Once you're a Christian, it's impossible for you to lose your salvation. Once saved, always saved. Sometimes it's referred to. That's proven clearly proven false by this passage because this passage implies that if we don't overcome temptation, God will blot our name out of the book of life. And that would have to mean that a person was saved at one point in his life and then later was lost because his name wouldn't be in the book of life if he wasn't saved to start with. And then his name got blotted out of the book of life, implied by this verse, if you don't overcome temptation, persecution, your name's blotted out of the book of life meaning you're no longer in the list of the names of all the saved people, God's list. You were on his list of the names of all the saved people, and now you're no longer on that list. Once saved, always saved is proven false, because here was a person that was once saved, and then he was lost. He was once in the book of life, and his name was taken out of the book of life. So who's going to be taken out of the book of life according to this verse? People that Christians who don't overcome temptation slash persecution, their name will be blotted out of the book of life. They're going to lose their salvation. Nothing could be clearer than that. I, I sometimes uh, try to tease this audience and say, you pick a random page in the Bible, and I think that I can find at least one passage, probably two on that page, that conclusively proves this doctrine of once saved, always saved false. The Bible teaches this is false over and over and over again. There are dozens and dozens of passages that clearly teach once saved, always saved is false. And there's not one passage, not one, of course, because God doesn't contradict himself, that teaches that it's true. Yet so many preachers teach once saved, always saved. I think it's because wishful thinking. You know what that expression is. We want something to be true. So we believe and teach that it's true, not because the Bible teaches it, but because we want it to be true. We want it to be true that once we become a Christian, we can live any old way we want to and still be saved. And since we want it so badly, we teach it as if it's true. It's not true. This passage teaches that it's false. Who will be taken out of the book of life? Well, I believe Exodus 32, 33, a passage in the Old Testament answered that question for us. The Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Remember, they had made a, a idol, a golden calf, while Moses was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments and the law. When he came back down, Moses was trying to plead for the people. Well, he's basically saying, I, I'll volunteer to be lost spiritually if you won't hold the people accountable for what they've done. And God said, no. Whoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. In other words, whoever quit serving the Lord faithfully, they're going to be blotted out of the book. It's whoever. It's God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't show favoritism. If you're a Christian, you're in the book of life. And if you quit living faithful to God, Revelation 2.10 says, be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life, implying that if we don't live faithful to God, we won't receive the crown of life. If you quit living faithful to God, if you quit, do not follow through on the, com on the commitment you made, when uh, you became a Christian to quit serving sin, then God will blot you out of his book. You won't be saved any longer. You know, Acts 2.38, Peter told some believers, but repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So when a person is baptized, they get the forgiveness of sins, the remission of sins, but only if they repent first.
Repentance means they're making up their mind that they're going to change their life in regard to sin. They're going to quit serving sin and start serving righteousness. And then they get baptized. They're forgiven. God expects us to follow through on that commitment to change your life. If you have a Bible question or comment, please give us a call. Lines are wide open. 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. So Exodus 32, 33 says, whoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. But, you know, that seems, well, it's kind of startling. Well, but we can be forgiven of our sins. Remember passages like Luke 13, 3 says, Jesus said, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So we can receive forgiveness of our sins if we're willing to repent. If we're not willing to repent, we're going to perish spiritually. We just looked at Acts 2.38. Peter told those believers, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So if one's willing to repent and obey the gospel, they're going to get the remission of sins. So yes, if we sin, we'll be blotted out of the book, but we can be forgiven. John told Christians in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if a Christian sins, he can be forgiven of his sins if he's willing to repent of them, Acts 8, 22, and confess them to God, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Last question about the book of life. Who should we rejoice if our names are in the book of life? And obviously the answer is yes. Luke 10 verse 20 says, Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Yeah, we don't rejoice for these things that don't matter that much. How much money we have or our station in life. Instead, what we should be rejoicing about is because our names are written in heaven. They're written in the book of life meaning we're on the list of the names of the saved people. That's what we should rejoice about. But to rejoice about that, you've got to have your name in the book of life. Is your name in the book of life? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you become a Christian? Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And since the book of life is the list of the names of all the saved people, to get your name in the book of life, to be saved, you're going to have to believe and be baptized. Now, a lot of preachers will say, all you got to do is believe in Christ to be saved. All you got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You'll be saved. Well, that, 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 that doesn't go quite far enough. You got to not only accept Christ as your personal Savior, you have to obey Christ as your personal Savior. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Second Thessalonians, Chapter 1, verse 8 says, In flaming fire, talking about God, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you've got to not only know God, believe in him to be saved, but you have to obey the gospel to be saved, to get your name in the book of life. And we want to have our name in the book of life. Ask yourself the question, is my name in the book of life? Walt from Michigan, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Well, you said there's well, no scripture, no scriptures to back up once saved, always saved. God uh, says, no man can pluck them out of my hand for just one. Yeah. No, no, notice that's in John 10, right? 
And he said, no man can pluck them out of my hand. Obviously, pluck means to to forcibly take them out of the hand. So obviously, that passage in John 10, uh, I believe that's in uh, John 10, verse 28. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Obviously, it's not talking about the person who's the Christian can't leave voluntarily because it says no man can pluck them out of my hand. Pluck means to forcibly take them out. Well, so it's not saying that a Christian can't voluntarily leave the hand of Jesus. Not saying that at all. Oh, no, no, that's that's really splitting the hairs there. I'm not going to argue. I just, but, but you're very false when you say there's no scriptures backing up one state. All say you can believe you can go both ways. That's fine. But uh, I'd hate to believe you, hey, and go out and sin and then get killed and not be, uh, and then. Boy, I'm gone. Uh, that's that's bad doctrine. Th- thank you for your call, Walt. So you see what Walt just said. It's almost like he admits it's wishful thinking. He'd hate to believe like me because then this. So he he's like it's like he's saying he believes what he believes because that's what he wants to be true. He would hate to believe like me because this, that, or the other. See, so he believes what he believes because he wants that to be true. It's wishful thinking. It's not because the Bible teaches it. You know, in John 10, 28, just a few verses before that, in verse 18, Jesus said, no man, he's talking about his life, no man take it it from me, but I lay it down myself. So when he says, no man taketh it from me, his life, but he lays it down of himself, that would mean that no man takes his life from him, that nobody else can force him. To, to give his life, but he's going to do it voluntarily. So, of course, then the same thing would be true in 10 verses later, in verses 28 and 29. No man can pluck them out of my father's hand. That would mean nobody, nobody else can force a Christian to lose his salvation. They can't pluck or seize them. God's stronger than anybody. Nobody's going to be able to take them out of, take us out of God's hand. But this doesn't say we can't voluntarily leave. Just like in John 10 verse 18, 10 verses before that, it didn't mean that when he said, no man taketh it from me, that Jesus couldn't voluntarily lay down his life. And he did voluntarily lay down his life. No man could take it from him, but he voluntarily laid it down. No man can take our salvation from us. Nobody can pluck it, pluck us out of our father's hand. John 10, 29, John 10, 28. But that wouldn't mean we can't voluntarily leave the Lord. Not at all. I mean, think about a passage like Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. Now, the Baptist will say that a Christian can't fall from grace. But what did Galatians 5, 4 say? Whosoever of you would be justified by the law, you are falling from grace. So a lot of preachers will say you can't fall from grace. What does God's word say? It says about some people trying to be justified by the old law, you are falling from grace. That's pretty clear. Very clear. How about James 5? 19 through 20. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the air of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Talking to brethren, talking to Christians, the New King James says, if any of you do wander from the truth, if we have a child that wanders from the house, that means he was in the house or at the house and left the house. Here's a brother in Christ. He errs or wanders from the truth. Our job, according to this passage, is to try to convert him back. If we convert him back, it says we save his soul from death. 
which would necessarily imply if we are unable to convert him back, let's say he refuses to be converted back, his soul is going to be is going to die. He's he's going to be lost. So here we have a good example, James 5, 19 20, of a brother who errs or wonders from the truth. If he's not converted back, his, his, he's going to be lost. His soul is going to die. His sins are not going to be covered, according to verse 20. Clearly teaching once saved, always saved is false. And I repeat, there's not one verse in the Bible that teaches once saved, always saved is true. If there were, there would be a contradiction in the Bible. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study sometime with me at your convenience, at some time that's convenient for you, a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753. If you want a free one-hour phone Bible study, call or text me, 256-682-9753. If you want to correspond with me over email, go to the website for this program, BibleCrossFire.com. You can email me or listen to previous programs, whatever you want to do.